0: Hello, and welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and today we'll be talking with Professor Denise Leesley, an applied social statistician who is currently principal of the Green Templeton College at the University of Oxford. In a post-COVID world, understanding how to communicate uncertainty has never been more important. But what is the best way to interrogate your data and when should you trust it? To help us better understand this is Professor Leavesley. From setting up UNESCO's Institute for Statistics to serving as the director of the UK Data Archive, she talks to us about the political pressures some statisticians might face in collecting and reporting data and what this means for journalists and the stories they tell. Professor Denise Leasley, thank you so much for joining us today on Conversations with Data. I just wanted to start with you telling us a bit about yourself, your background,
1: and your roles over the years. Okay. Thank you very much. It's really nice to talk to you. So um, I would describe myself as an applied social statistician. So I've worked in a variety of different jobs as a statistician including being director of statistics for UNESCO, the UN agency, and also having a a period as the chief executive of what is now called NHS Digital, but at that time was called uh, the um, NHS um, Health and Social Care uh, Information Centre. So I've worked a lot as an applied statistician. Uh, particularly internationally, so particularly over collecting data for m- the Millennium Development Goals, for monitoring progress across the world. Um, the last two jobs I've done haven't been s- jobs as statisticians. I uh, was um, the Dean of, of Social Sciences at King's College London, so Executive Dean of a large faculty at. At Kings um, and my current job is I'm principal of an Oxford College, the newest Oxford College um, Green Templeton College and Green Templeton College is uh, a graduate college so the average age of our students is twenty nine and last year the students came from seventy nine different countries of the world and the students are studying medicine or applied social science so we're a specialist college of oxford
0: okay
1: brilliant Um, and
0: let's start with the basics like how do you describe to someone who's new
1: to statistics what what it actually is as a science i'm asked this question quite a lot whenever i get in a taxi if i'm asked what i do Uh, if i dare to say i'm a statistician uh, usually they say to me, oh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. But nowadays I tend to describe myself as an, as an academic instead. <laughs> so, um, so statistics, uh, the difficulty is it really has two meanings. So statistics reflate, relates to the numbers themselves, um, but it also relates to the science, which is about the understanding of numbers. And if you like, one way of thinking about statistics is that it's about understanding patterns in numbers, why patterns occur, whether those patterns have occurred by chance or whether they've occurred because of some external factor. And so I think of it as being very similar to um to a sort of a form of art where you're you're trying to establish whether you can see patterns within the numbers. One one way of describing statistics is that it's the science of uncertainty. And I often laugh about the fact that I have a T-shirt that was given to me when I gave a talk at the American Statistical Association that says being a statistician means never having to say you're certain there's always uncertainty around around data. And statisticians help you understand that uncertainty and draw out conclusions from the data. So it's both the numbers and it's the science. I'm, I'm
0: curious. I mean, you spoke recently, you gave a talk and you said, quote, statistics really need to be the currency of public debate. And I just thought that was really spot on. And I wondered if you could talk to us about like the importance of that and trustworthy data and trusting your data.
1: Yes, Um, I think we all understand currently with this crisis, how important good statistics are. That statistics are absolutely essential for us to uh, develop sound policies. Good decision-making depends upon statistics, but they're also important, for us as citizens to establish whether whether our governments are performing well and when our governments are failing. Um, So in that respect, sort of for the accountability uh, of statistics, the use of statistics in accountability is probably a better way of putting it. It's absolutely critical that we have statistics that we can trust, that we... Do not have suspicions that those statistics have been manipulated in some way to show a particular picture. So statistics are important for empowering, empowering the public. Um, and I'm not just talking about government; they empower uh, employees to call their um, their bosses to account. Wherever you need to make decisions, you need good data to underpin those decisions. And it's quite, I think it's quite critical that we don't fight about the data. We don't need to fight about the data because we trust the data. We might not think it's perfect, but we think it's trustworthy. And we, we trust the data and therefore we can have these really important decisions, discussions about what are the right decisions to make on the basis of this data? And sometimes those are political decisions, they're not statistical decisions, but we don't want to fight about whether the data are right. And the most difficult times come when you haven't got data that you trust and, and there are just arguments. And I, I have experienced that a lot in working in the UN because UN data is often used to call governments to account. And governments don't like that. They don't like to be called to account. They don't like an international agency coming in and reporting on data that maybe are different from the data that they would like to be put in the public domain. So um, I've had situations where there have been quite. Quite um, difficult and um, tense discussions about the data. Whereas, what I really wanted to be having discussions about is given these data, what do they tell us about how we get more children in school, um, more women with good literacy skills, etc.? You can imagine the sort of questions I would be asking as director of statistics in. UNESCO, that is the UN agency with responsibility for education across the world. And
0: I know that you um, set up the Institute for Statistics on behalf of UNESCO. When was that and what was that like? Um, So I
1: joined UNESCO in 1999. um, And UNESCO had a division of statistics, It reported in the organisation up the same line of reporting as catering and cleaning. Um, It was seen as being a service to the organisation rather than a profession in its own right, providing external services to the world. Um, And so I was recruited to to dissolve a division of statistics and to set up a new institute. Um, And that is indeed what I did, and the UNESCO Institute for Statistics still exists, and is still a jewel in the crown of UNESCO, and uh, it's based in Montreal. Um, And it collects data and sets the standards for collecting data and works in statistical capacity building in relation to education, science, technology, culture, communications data. Very difficult, very political issue. Um, In a UN agency, you have a problem as to whether the UN agency is an organisation of the citizens of the world or the countries of the world. And as I've indicated, some uh, heads of state for the country, some ministers of education don't necessarily want the truth to be put on the the public database. So um, huge difficulties in terms of ensuring um, that you get the balance right between the independence of the statisticians, the autonomy of the statisticians, the authority of the statisticians, the professionalism but also that the statisticians are embedded enough in the organisation that what they are doing is collecting data that will be of relevance and of use to the organisation. And this challenge about being relevant but independent is the same one as journalists face, absolutely the same one. Um, And we don't always get it right you know, sometimes we slip over one side or the other, um, but it's a really important balance. And so um, one of the things I had to do is work really hard with my immediate boss, the Director General of UNESCO, um, Mr. Koichiro Matsura, who I'm still in touch with, a lovely Japanese diplomat, to ensure that he understood why I was producing. Data that sometimes ministers would go to him and complain about, or complain about me, and that he had to know how he must defend me in such situations. So I had to do a lot of work internally in order to make sure that the organization knew and understood why they needed a a reputable institute for statistics. Um, and set up good, strong procedures, but also to get them to understand that sometimes we'd make mistakes, sometimes we'd get things wrong. The data is of very variable quality, and uh, it's really hard if you're sitting in an institute in Montreal um, to know whether data that you've got from Saudi Arabia, Chad, Vanuatu, you know, China is correct and and what the deficiencies of those data might be. So it's not as if we had perfect knowledge. Um, so fascinating job, wonderful job. I loved it. How
0: do, as journalists and also yourself, how do we decide whether to trust
1: statistics? There's two ways. I mean, one is by looking um, at the science that has underpinned them. So, actually asking a lot of questions about the provenance of these data where have they come from? Um, uh, how were they collected? Are they likely to be representative? How up to date are they? Um, what's known about error in the data? So, there are questions to do with the science. These will be questions that. Uh, journalists are used to asking all the time. I mean, you get a story and you want to understand um, the likely truth of that story and you you often uh, validate that, that story against other things you know. And I would call that, as a statistician, I would call that triangulation. So looking at these data in context and, and looking at similar data Maybe from the same time period last year, is it plausible that there's been these changes? So plausibility, uh, actually just testing out whether the data makes sense and thinking about the science, uh, underpinning them. But the other thing is to think about what, um, what process led to these data. And this is more about understanding why the data were collected. Um, how the agenda was uh, set for the collection of the data, Um, what are the incentives to report in a particular way? So are there problems in terms of um, incentives to report uh, good news stories? Um, And often journalists uh, come across this, this challenge that governments want to show a good news story. So understanding something about how the data were collected, understanding um, are the statisticians independent? Who appoints the government statistician in a country? Um, If they produce data that is unpopular, what happens to them? Um, So, you know, we've had problems... Even in some developed countries, it's not just a developing country problem where statisticians can be put under target. We've had problems in Greece over recent years over the economic data. So, actually, understanding um, the job security, the support systems um, for statisticians is important too. How should journalists and how
0: should Um, statisticians express this uncertainty when there's this, you know, pressure on them to get that data out quickly?
1: There are occasions where timely data is absolutely critical and a changing situation like COVID is is a case in point. And it may be better that um, less than perfect data fast is really important in that situation. There are other cases where um, whether the data are from last week or from last month um, makes very little difference and it would be better to have data that has been through some greater checking um, where there's been more time for reflection more time for really good analysis of these data Um, it's it's interesting in the covid situation i think that we need data fast but we'll also want better data later in order to do a post-mortem. So I think, you know, the message for a journalist is that the latest data is not always better. Um, So when I was in the NHS, one of the things that I had a bit of uh, of a... Disagreement about was that data were published about the performance of hospitals. And um, there was a view within some parts of the NHS that you had to have the latest data in order to judge the performance of, of hospitals. And I was arguing, that actually, data over a longer period where we'd done more quality assurance was more reliable. And that to get... Latest data that hadn't been through proper quality assurance could be misleading. So it's in different circumstances. And one of the things, one of the terms I use a lot that is, it's quite difficult for lay people to have this issue of fitness for purpose. That data that will be perfectly acceptable for one purpose will not be acceptable for another. So we have two sets of data in this country about unemployment. We have data that it comes from the Unemployment Register, which is those people who are eligible for unemployment benefit. And we have data that comes from the Labour Force Survey um, carried out by the Office for National Statistics, which is data over a longer time period. It's not monthly data um, because the sample size isn't big enough. And those two data sources are different from one another. They're not measuring the same thing. One measures people eligible for unemployment benefit. The other measures people unemployed according to the ILO definition, the International Labour Organization definition of unemployment. And those two things are different. And that's very hard, I think, for to expect journalists to understand that sometimes you will have different sources, different time scales, um, measuring slightly different things. Um, I would argue we need both of those. We need the data that tells us what our unemployment levels are relative to unemployment levels in other countries, but we also need to know what the impact on the public purse is of those people on the unemployment register. So um, they're both very important to us. Um,
0: and so if we're looking at, say I'm a journalist and I'm trying to compare global data country by country, particularly with COVID-19, you know, what are some of the issues that we might run into for this? It's
1: fragile. I would say um, one of my good friends always says uh, comparability is only skin deep. It's difficult because data is collected in different ways in different countries. There may not be standard definitions. There are different systems in different countries. There are different health systems in different countries. So comparing can be very, very tricky if your data comes from administrative sources rather than independent statistical surveys for example um, so uh, it's always going to be um, you always have to be careful in 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 comparing but that isn't to say it isn't really important and you know I wouldn't have spent seven years as an international statistician if I didn't think this was a really critical thing to do that we learn from other countries that it's really important for us, in part of calling our governments to account, to be able to make those comparisons, um, to ask questions. You know, the country did it this way and this seems to be the outcome. It's different from our outcome. Why is that? Um, statistics, to me, are, are important in terms of building a better world, building a better society, and comparable data is critical in that respect. And of course, comparable data is not just about uh, comparisons across countries. It's also about comparisons across time, so how things have changed, or comparisons within countries. So you have to be careful and understand that there are deficiencies, but it shouldn't stop us using the data. We just need to use the data with caution.
0: And I wonder if you could talk a bit about um, noise and signals in the data. Like, what do these mean? And how
1: how might they impact interpreting data? I said at the beginning that statistics was the science of uncertainty. Any data we have is going to be subject to Uh, uncertainty. I I would say it was subject to error. That's not a very useful term for a a non-statistician, but that's the term we use. And that error can be due to a whole range of things. It might be due to the fact that I've only got a sample. It might be due to the fact that um, there's misreporting. It might be due to the fact that there's misinterpretation of that data a different definition is used in different circumstances and so on so there's going to be a lot of, of, of error around that data uncertainty around that data and if you like you could call that noise because um, it is like it is like white noise and the difficulty is that if we want to compare points in time or data across different parts of the country or different parts of the world, then we have the problem that some of our interpretation of the difference may be confounded with, may be caused by, this noise rather than a true difference. So the true difference is the signal and that's what we'd really like to measure. So. The signal is the true difference, but the difficulty is that it's going to have noise around it. Um, part of the science of statistics is actually understanding that noise and understanding how you reduce that. So one way in which you reduce it, if you're drawing a sample, is you have a bigger sample. But a bigger sample, just on its own, won't reduce the noise. Um, It may be that if your sample isn't representative, you've got bias, which is another form of noise in the data anyway. So it's really about how do we collect information that is representative and is subject to as little uncertainty as possible.
0: And say I'm a journalist and I'm having to build my own data set, and i'm using lots of different sources from maybe different un agencies or country you know statistical offices what are some of the things i need to be aware of in terms of collecting and also
1: maybe the sampling and looking at who's in this yeah one of the critical things is to determine the issues that i raised earlier about trust and how are the data collected and why and so on. I think asking questions about the, the provenance of the data is really important. Um, the uh, the representativeness of these data is really a critical thing. And I, you know, I started off my life in the government as a sampling statistician. So that's what I tend to focus on is the representativeness of the data. So I would start to ask questions of course about how many uh, people I needed uh, in order to get representative samples. So I'd want to know about the variability in the population, because that's going to influence how many I need, how precise I need my results to be, um, how, uh, how I'm going to collect this information, what confidence I 'm going to have that it's it's true information so I'd ask all of those if I 'm gathering together data from different sources when I 'm looking at those different sources then um, look at the footnotes um, as a statistician one of the frustrations is that you produce a table of, of numbers and you produce quite a lot of information about the quality of those numbers in the footnotes and then uh, people will use the data without actually looking at the information you've given about the quality. Um, ask the statisticians. I mean, most of the time they're really excited to get their data used, and they're very only too happy to help. So I think um, don't assume that uh, that a UN statistician isn't isn't able or interested in in answering your queries, it's great to have have the data um, used. Um, And do you think that there's a case
0: for maybe more interactions between statisticians and journalists?
1: I think that uh, statisticians um, are getting better at their communication skills, but it's very interesting that when I was trained as a statistician, I don't remember any training on communication. And the the emphasis was all on the analysis, the collection and the analysis of the data, not on the interpretation and communication of it. So statisticians need to get better at that. Journalists need to be less frightened about numbers and need to understand that all of the skills they have as a good investigative journalist are exactly the same, whether they're looking at numbers or they're looking at words. Um, And then we need FORA to bring them together. Um, I'm really proud that both the Royal Statistical Society and the American Statistical Association have got prizes for good journalism. And I think that's really helpful. So both of those organisations, and there are probably other national statistics uh, societies across the world that are doing this too that I'm not aware of so I think reaching out to journalists praising them and helping them when they do well I think there's good progress in this area but I think there's a real opportunity to do much much more.
0: Thinking about what's happening in the United States now and also all across the world with all these protests given the death of um, George Floyd I'm wondering you know what can this field do to collect data that actually represents and shows what's happening with the BAME population? Um, you know, is there a need for more granular data showing that, you know, African Americans were dying at a much higher rate than Caucasians in the United States or other races?
1: One of the reasons why I'm a statistician is because I think it gives a voice to the marginalized in our societies. Um, or it ought to give a voice to the marginalised in our societies. One of the challenges to us as statisticians is very often those that the people that are, are missing. They're missing from our sampling frames They're, then they don't trust the government well enough to be prepared to participate in response rate in, in our studies. Participation rate is an important aspect of, of representativeness. Um, so, a challenge to us is we want to reflect marginalised people. Um, and it it is critical that our data reflects inequalities within our societies. Absolutely essential. Um, so, I think there are big challenges for us. Trust is important again here, you know, because if you... If you don't trust the government to use that data in ways that is going going to support and help you, and you fear that that data might be used in a way that uh, fuels discrimination against you, then you're not going to be prepared to participate or to give your data, and your data belongs to you. You are giving it to society, and you're making a decision as you provide your data, whether it's your health data through your, your NHS record or whether it's data that you give um, in a, you know, an, an online survey or whatever it is, you're making a decision that your data is of uh, is value to the organisation collecting it or the society um, and that outweighs any threats um, or concerns that you might have about your privacy. Um, so we haven't we haven't always found it easy to collect high quality data on really sensitive issues. And in some societies, race is a very sensitive issue. A very sensitive issue. We have bad experiences of this from history. We have really bad experiences of data. Statistical data on Jews being used for uh, for horrific act, um, acts against them in the second world war, so trust is important, but I think that one of the things that I take away from um, from the current uh, current i was going to use the word disturbances i don 't like the word disturbances because I actually um, share the concerns that people have the current um anguish that is being experienced by parts of the population in the united states is that they haven't had visibility that they haven't had a voice and statistics are an important part of giving them that voice Um, but we have to learn ways in which we can help them and i don't think we've got enough bme um, staff in our statistical offices actually to build that understanding I remember I was working in New Zealand when New Zealand um, recruited the first Maori statistician to set up a unit that looked at all of the data collection that was being carried up by Statistics New Zealand through a Maori lens you know is the household definition acceptable and suitable in a Maori context and so on and I is that was so such an exciting development and we need to do that more the official statistical system is that too often the nation has been the unit of analysis rather than looking within the nation and really challenging over inequalities
0: and I wonder, is there anything that journalists can do, and as well as civil society organizations, to sort of persuade governments to invest more in collecting better quality data and sharing that openly?
1: Um, I think there's two things they can do. Um, one is I would like to see more journalists get involved in the consultations that take place about what ought to be collected and what is collected in the first place. Because there's no point, if we haven't got the data, there's not a lot you can do. And one of the problems we've got in many countries of the world is that the agenda about what's collected is only settled by government. So I think journalists actually feeding in at the very early stages about what data needs to be collected. um, One of the ways in which I judge a society is by what we don't know about it as well as what we do, Um, relevant to your question about uh, BME. Um, So I think getting involved at that stage, looking out for those consultations, asking questions about why data don't exist. The other thing that journalists can do is... um, push hard for data to be published. And uh, one of the things that there is a UN declaration on statistical ethics, it's worth looking at that, because um, almost all countries of the world have signed up to that UN declaration, but not all countries abide by it. And one of the issues in that is about the fact that day all data should be published. This has been so interesting. Thank you so much for talking to us. I just wondered if we could,
0: you know, before you go, just find out from you, like, what are some of the best books
1: and resources out there? Um, I would, uh, I have a friend colleague, David Spiegelhalter from Cambridge, whose name will probably be familiar with, to you, who is the professor of communication of risk, who is one of the greatest communicators amongst statisticians. So um, he's just uh, produced a book just recently on the art of statistics. The other thing I encourage journalists to do is to uh, look at academic papers and look at the methodology chapter or the methodology paragraphs in the academic papers and just start to ask some questions about why this methodology why and um, what are the limitations because of the methodology so i think actually getting an appreciation of how data are collected and why they're collected is really useful in this country the economic and social research council runs quite a lot of training that they think they're aiming at, at relatively junior academics but it would be just of relevance to to journalists and I think looking out
0: for those too. Brilliant. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Leavesley, for joining us on Conversations with Data today. Thank you. Thanks. Nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this, you can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.